Uh, he was an extremely talented young Christian man, and he was working with a growing church in an international city. Now, I want you to know this young Christian man had all the credentials that would allow him to thrive in ministry. He was a, he was a missionary. He had a lot of missionary experience. And to top it all off, he was mentored by one of the one of the chief uh, church planters of all time, one of the greatest church planters of all times, he was mentored by him. He had everything that he needed in order to, for him to succeed, but then this is what happened. The winds of temptation and trials. And all of a sudden, what happened with this young man is that he started to deal with health issues, Health issues, specifically, he had stomach problems. Stomach problems that was just that wouldn't go away, that was really giving him fits in his ministry. Not only that, he had defections. People who said, Hey, I will follow Jesus the rest of my life, here's what they started to do they started to leave. Not only were there defections, but there were false teachers that came up within the body of Christ. And not only were there false teachers, they were spreading false teaching, and it was causing havoc in the body of Christ. He was a young man, and he struggled with his own evil desires. And he knew that he had to keep those things in check in order for him to have an effective ministry. Not only that is that he knew that it was going to ministry was going to be hard, but he didn't know how hard until he realized that he was going to have to suffer for uh, persecution. To top it all off, all the trials, all the temptations, to top it all off, his mentor, his dear father in the faith, was arrested and he was put on death row. And it was just going to be a short amount of time before his mentor, his father in the faith, the one that taught him everything about church planting and doing ministry, was going to be put to death. And who am I talking about? You know who it is. It's Timothy. It's Timothy. The question is, we have to ask is, how, Timothy, did these these trials, these obstacles, these temptations, how did they impact your life and your ministry? i got to let you know that while we may not have all the same things that Timothy had, we, we may not be missionaries or ministers, but I want to let you know that we could identify with Timothy, can't we? We could identify with Timothy as it comes to trials and temptations and obstacles in our lives. Listen, our bodies were meant to fall apart. Our bodies were meant decay. And, to, and, and, and we're all going to face this. We're all going to face someday the realities of living in a terminal body. And I know it's not easy to say and not wonderful to say, but it's the truth, isn't it? We're all going to have to deal with pain in that way. We live where we know somebody, maybe even somebody in our own household who has walked away from the faith. And it leaves the sadness in us that's even hard to describe. All of us, there's no exception, struggle with some sort of evil desire. And we know that we have to keep watch over those things. We know that we have to guard against those things in order to be effective uh, witnesses for Jesus Christ. 
While we may not suffer the same persecution that Timothy or Paul had to, we know this, that eventually all of us will face some sort of abuse or have faced some sort of abuse for being a Christian. And then we come to church. There are things that go on at church, and at some point we've experienced what I would call the disappointment in the body of Christ. There's parts of the church that have let us down. Fellow Christians have let us down. We as ministers have let you down. Elders have let you down. And then there's decisions, right? Decisions that you don't particularly care for. And then you find out that you're either too liberal or you're too conservative, whichever you are. And then on top of that, we just, the things keep on going on and on. And here's what it equates to. At some point in time, we become disappointed in the body of Christ. We just do. And the question, as we have to ask, we, we have to ask Timothy, we have to also ask of ourselves, and that is this. How do these trials, how do these temptations, how do these obstacles impact our life and our ministry? What did the winds of temptation and trials and obstacles do to Timothy? And what did they do to us? And here's what could happen is this. It takes this fiery, burning passion that we have for Jesus Christ. This, this burning, fiery passion we have for his church. And all of a sudden, all these things begin to dim. And the winds blow into our lives. These winds blow into our lives and they begin to dim or hide the passion that we have for Christ and for His church. And instead of being this bright light, we become, in reality, just a flickering flame. We live in a world that is, uh, it's difficult to live for Jesus. Can we, can we admit that? It's just difficult to live for Jesus. It's, it's difficult to shine for Jesus at times. And, and these constant winds of trials and temptations and obstacles, they dim our light. And, and that's why for the next eight weeks, we on the preaching team have decided that we want to do a study of 2 Timothy. Of 2 Timothy. Why 2 Timothy? Because when Paul writes to Timothy, he's struggling. He's struggling because all these circumstances around his life, all these trials, all these temptations has dimmed Timothy's life. And what we want to do is this, is that we want to take the, the principles and the practices out of 2 Timothy, and we want to apply them to our lives because we too know what it feels like to have the winds, again, of trials and temptations and obstacle blow into our lives and dim the fiery passion that we have for Jesus. I'd like for you to open up your Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, your devices, whatever you read Scripture on, all right? 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I'm, today I'm just going to cover 1 through 7. So let's read that together. 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace and mercy and peace from the God and Father and Jesus Christ our Lord, I thank God, whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which was first lived in your grandmother Lois and then in your uh, mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now also lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. The spirit of timidity. What happened to Timothy, and what can happen to us when we, we encounter these winds, the winds of temptations and trials? The text says that Timothy became timid. That's verse 7. He became timid. Timid. Other versions will say something like this. He became fearful. Timothy encountered these trials and temptations, and he became timid and, and fearful, and it's like we too. We could do that also. We could become timid and fearful. There's a couple things that I want to draw your attention to before we start talking about timidity. The first one is this. One important thing we have to remember is this. Paul is not telling Timothy that he is in a sinful condition here. This is so important for us. He is not in a sinful condition. Timothy still has a sincere faith. Timothy still is a beloved son in the faith. We're not talking about right and wrong here. We're talking about a passion We're talking about an intensity. We're talking about burning brightly for the Lord. So we're not talking about a sinful condition. The other thing I want to talk about this is, is that we mistakenly have this view of Satan that he really only just has one strategy for us. And the strategy that he wants to do for us is just to get us to sin. Now, I do believe that that is his ultimate goal, separation and sin, But I want to let you know, his strategies go beyond that. Think about it this way. If Satan could get us discouraged enough to dim our flame, that's good enough for him. If Satan could get us timid enough to have our flame flicker or for us to dim, our passion to dim, that's good enough for him. If Satan could get us fearful enough so that our Our passion dims for Christ. That's good enough for him. He just doesn't have one strategy. So when Paul told Timothy that God did not give him the spirit of timidity, but the uh, the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline, what did Timothy hear? What did Timothy hear? You need to understand that this this word timidity here, it's only used one time, and the times that it is used in the New Testament... And every time it's used, it is not a good thing. So what did Timothy hear when he heard the word 
timidity. And, I, and I, again, I want to emphasize this. I don't think Paul was giving Timothy this direct rebuke. I think what Paul was doing here when he says, fan in the flame, and, and you have the spirit of timidity, I think what Paul was doing was saying, Timothy, I want you to wake up. I want you to wake up of what's happening in your life right now. So what did Timothy hear? When, he, when Paul said, the spirit of timidity, what he was saying to Timothy was this, Timothy, I need for you to be more courageous. Timothy, I need for you to have more confidence. You're a child of God. Timothy, don't be silent. There are times, and it is now time for you to boldly speak God's word. Don't be afraid, Timothy. Don't be afraid. Timothy, I don't want you to be gripped by anxiety and fear. And I think finally, when, when Timothy heard that phrase, here's what he said. What he heard Paul say, Timothy, my son, son. You have retreated from the front lines of the war that is going on between good and evil. And now it's time for you to engage again. And the same thing that Paul wrote to Timothy is the same thing spoken to us. As Christians, we need to be more courageous and confident as Christians, we need to lovingly and con uh, co uh, confidently communicate the message of Christ to those around us. As Christians, we don't need to be fearful or anxiety or fear. I mean, our world is gripped with that. Our political arena is gripped with that, and it speaks so against of who we are. And here's the thing. We may have retreated from the front lines. And what Paul is telling Timothy and Paul is telling us today is this. The battle's raging, my friends. The battle is raging and it's time for you to re-engage the battle once again. For God did not give us the spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. And just like Paul used one word to sort of hold a mirror up of what happened to Timothy, he's going to use one word also to tell him what he needs to do. And it's in this phrase that we find, fan into flame your God-given gift. It's really just one word, fan into flame, Timothy. I told you with one word where you are, but I want to tell you another word. I'm going to give you one more word, and that one word is this, fan into flame your God-given gift. So what was, when Paul said that, fan in the flame, what was, what was Timothy hearing? Because I think that's important for us. He was telling Timothy, keep in full flame his God-given gift. He was telling Timothy, I want you to stir up the fire of your God-given gift. Timothy, I think it's time for you to add some fuel to the fire of your spiritual gift. Right, Timothy, I think it's time for you to add some fuel to your life. And I think the best picture that I could describe it is this way. Uh, when you cook out, uh, and you're using coals, not 
not propane, coals. Have you ever noticed that when you, when you put the lighter fluid on it, and then after you put the lighter fluid on it, you let it burn for a while, and all of a sudden this ash, this ash comes over the coals, right? And, and, and what Paul is doing when he's saying fan in the flame, what he's saying is this, right now, Timothy, you have some ash on the flame and the passion you have for Jesus. And it's time to get that off. Now, I, I got to let you know, in the olden days, and this is my mini bellows, they're a lot bigger, all right? In the older days, what would happen in order to, to bring back the flame and the fire, right? What they would do is this, is they take bellows and they would just blow on the fire. And what would happen is they were blowing on the fire it would blow off that ash. And it'd blow off that ash, and all of a sudden, here's what would happen is this. You could see the fire. You could see the caught coal once again. And when Timothy, when Paul says to Timothy, fan into flame, here's what he was saying. Timothy, it's time for you to blow off the ash of this world in your life. It's time for you to blow off the ash that is keeping your spiritual gift from God dim. I think there's two significant observations from this. The first one is this. Just because Timothy wasn't keeping his God given up of a flame, it doesn't mean it wasn't there. His gift was always there. He always had it. And the other one is found in that verb, fan. And I want to tell you what that, that word fan there, it means in, in a tense sense here. It means that Timothy, when Timothy heard this, here's what Paul was saying to him. You're going to progressively and continually have to fan the flame, Timothy. Timothy, this is just one time when you need to blow off the dust and the ash of your life. Timothy, this is just one of many times in the future that you're going to have to blow off the ash. And while the application for us is simple, it's still profound. Let me just say this. If you are immersed into Jesus Christ by faith, put him on in baptism, here's what I want you to know today is this. You are ablaze. You have a fiery heart you have a fiery gift from God. There's a flame that is in you because of who is your Lord and your Savior. You have that. And don't let anybody in the world or even the church tell you that you don't have the flame. The other one is this. And it holds true for Timothy, and it's going to hold true for us. We're going to continually have to blow off the ash of our lives. It's just not one time, right? It's just not one time that we're going to have to come in and we're going to have to get the billows out and we're going to have to go and look in our lives and go, okay, it's time now. Time to blow the ash off. And if Timothy had to do it over and over again, we too are going to have to do it over and over again. And I really believe is this. I believe that God positions us for this to take place. In our study, we're going to 
look at several different things on how to, to ignite our, our flame for Christ. And, and so I was given the, the first seven verses, and so I had to look at for the first seven verses, and I had to go something like this. Paul, where are you beginning with Timothy in order to get him to reignite his faith? What is the first thing I need to be attentive to, Timothy? In, I mean, Paul, in order to reignite faith, and it comes down to one word, and that is this, remembering. He wanted Timothy to remember. He wanted Timothy to remember core truths. And when Timothy would remember these things, it would reignite his passion. And he would go from fearfulness to fearlessness. And he would go from cowardness to courageous. And the first thing he wanted to remember is this, is that he was loved. Two and four, two through four there. In, in these really enduring terms, he said, Timothy, Timothy, you're my dear son in the faith. And, and I want to let you know that you have a genuine, authentic faith. And I want you to know that I remember the tears when we parted. And, and I think that happened in Acts chapter 20 when Timothy was there with the Ephesian elders and they parted, knowing that he would never see Paul again. It's to remember that you're loved. And Timothy, if you'll just remember that you're loved, it will help you to reignite your God-given gift. Remember that you're loved. And like Timothy, I want to tell you this today. Listen, you are loved. You're loved. You're loved by God. And you're loved by God because, you know, we see that in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But sometimes here's what happens to us. You, you hear us up here and we're like, you need to go do this and you need to go do that and you need to go do this. And, and there's, there's part of that in my sermon, right? But here's what I don't think we've communicated enough of, and that is this. I want you to know that the elders of this church love you. I want you to know they love you. And I want you to know we as ministers, right, Garrett? We love you. We really do. We love you. And I want you to know that the body of Christ here, one of the beautiful things about this body is, is that we love each other here. And, and I know, and, and I apologize for us, I know there are times when it doesn't, it's not expressed right. I know it's, we fumble around with that, but I want to let you know at our heart who we are, and that is this. I want you to know that you're loved. You're loved. And I want you to remember that love, and I think that love will help reignite your passion for Jesus. The second thing you need to remember, Timothy, is you need to remember your faith. Timothy, you have a genuineness of faith. Paul told Timothy that his faith was genuine, it was real. But what does that mean? It meant that Timothy's faith was unhypocritical. There was no pretense to Timothy's faith. There it came from a deep-seated conviction. Remember your faith, Timothy. And if you'll remember your faith, Timothy, it'll help you to reignite. Reignite your God-given gift. And just as Timothy needed to remember his faith, we need to remember our faith. And I want to commend you on your faith. The genuineness of it. 
where you'd go in day in and day out and you do things that walk and please the Lord. Thank you for that faith. I want to thank you for the faith, the genuine faith that you have as you, as you minister to those who are around you. Thank you for the genuineness of your faith. I want to thank you for your faith as you abstain from this evil and corrupt world and maintain a purity for Jesus Christ. Remember, remember your faith and it will help you to reignite your spiritual gift. The third thing to remember is this. Timothy, he said, remember your heritage, Timothy. Remember your heritage. You have a rich spiritual heritage, Timothy. I've seen this heritage in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And what he's calling Timothy to is says, here's what I want you to do is this. I want you to go back to your roots. Go back to your roots, Timothy, and I want you to look at your roots and your heritage and remember, remember those things because that will help you reignite your passion. And here's the question for you. And I wish we could just stop here. We could all turn around and just start telling stories because here's what I want to know. What's your heritage? What's your spiritual heritage? What is it? What's your spiritual heritage? Mine started in my family. I have a physical, spiritual one. It started with a couple by the name of Forrest and Helen Cable. It was my granddad and my grandma. My granddad was an elder of the church. My grandma was one of the most godliest women I ever know. If you come into my office, and I hope you do, and we could just sit around and visit, I'll show you her Bible. The two things I have left from my grandma that I only care about is, my, is her Bibles. Tell you what a godly woman she was. And then there was my mom and dad. But then there's the other heritage. It's not necessarily tied to physical, but it's just the spiritual heritage. And it's of men and women who have come into my life that have helped me, like Mike and Karen Miller. And a gentleman by the name of Rich Taylor, an elder at MacArthur Park Church of Christ. And a minister by the name of Randy Fenter who helped me. It's people like Mike Hammonds. And for us oldies, I'm talking oldies, Richard Rogers, Bill Yasko. Remember your heritage. It will help reignite your faith. Finally, Timothy was told to remember your spirit. Finally, Paul told Timothy that he has a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Now, i got to let you know. And it's sort of split halfway down. There is this debate going on on what the Spirit here is. Is it the Holy Spirit or is it just the Spirit of Timothy? And here's what we need to know about it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whether it's the Holy Spirit or whether it's just the Spirit of Timothy. Timothy was to enact. Timothy was to to re-engage this spirit that either was from the Holy Spirit or was just because he was, as a Christian, was this, a spirit of power. And that's where we get the word dunamis or dynamite power. It's where we get agape love and then finally self-control. And that self-control is not so much self-discipline as it is this. It is having a self-disciplined mind. It's having a 
sort of a soundness of mind that leads to self-discipline. And all these qualities, he tells Timothy, is this. If you'll remember all these qualities, it will help you to reignite that passion. And whether it's the Holy Spirit or just us, who we are as a person, we know the nature of God and being around God is this. It's one of power, love, and self-control. We have that at our access. It is who we are as Christians. Want to reignite your spiritual passion? Then I would just say this. Remember your spirit. Today as I close, I really have two two conclusions. You're not going to hear both of them. I'm picking one and going with it, all right? As we conclude today, the first is a call who have not been immersed into Jesus, who have not been baptized into Christ. And I want to tell you today is this. Today is the day to come to Jesus, to be baptized into him, And receive the fiery passion of grace and forgiveness. And to receive the fiery Holy Spirit indwelling in our lives. Here's the second call. And this is a call of confession. I must tell you that I could tell, and we all know this, that my, I've, I've let a lot of ash build up in my life. This is just me. You know, coming out of COVID and all the things associated with that, and just some things going on in my life, I've, I've just felt a little ash develop in my life. And I don't know what you're going to get out of this sermon. I hope you get a lot. But I needed this sermon. Because I needed, I needed, I needed the ash blown off my life. And today, if you could identify with me, and you could identify that it's been a while, and the fiery passion that you had when you first following Jesus is gone, and you need to take the bellows of his word and the bellows of his spirit and you need to let that blow over your life then you could join me join me i'm going to be up here some elders are going to be up here and we're going to just pray so if it's time to blow off a little ash and not be an ashy person (laughs) then i want to invite you to come as we stand and as we sing